Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. What's up, Metal Up Your Podcast family? Clint here, and you know what the deal is. It's just me today, and I'm going to take you on a ride through what we like to call Metal Up Your Podcast Radio. folks now maybe you're wondering what metal up your podcast radio is allow me to tell you it's a bonus type episode where ethan or i do a solo episode where we play through some of our favorite songs maybe some of the songs that we've uh, done sessions and played on maybe some songs that we've been writing today will be a mix of a couple of different things i've been doing this thing on patreon where at a certain level you get every song that i write and demo out every month which may sound uh, depending on how what you you know, know about writing and writers. I mean, some people only write 10 songs a year. I write about anywhere from five to 15 songs a month just by virtue of my publishing deal. They've got me writing country songs. They've got me writing pop songs, producing pop stuff. Uh, and then I'm writing stuff for fun on my own. I have this side project with my friend Rachel Loy called Attention Machine that I'm writing for. And uh, I'm putting all those in a Dropbox folder and I'm giving them to patrons. Uh, and so I want to play some of those for you today because I think they're cool. Now, these are songs that aren't going to be tied up on future records or television shows or whatever. These are songs that, for whatever reason, didn't really get, uh, they didn't they didn't get land anywhere out in the world. And I thought, what a shame that people can't hear them, because some of them are pretty fun and pretty good. So you're going to hear those today. You're going to hear maybe some of the songs I've been listening to. Of course, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. This is Friday, as of the recording of this. Coronavirus has now been labeled a pandemic, which means it's a global disease. I believe that the death count's around 5,000 in the whole world. Around 70,000 people have recovered, and I think around 130,000 people have been documented to have coronavirus. So 
I'm not going to pontificate much about that because I'm not a doctor um, or I'm not an expert on these issues, and I'm not going to really get political about any of this. But I will say, um, as the U.S. definitely is moving towards an Italy-style lockdown, which may already be happening at the time that you're hearing this, I do think you all need to take it pretty seriously. There, There's definitely some rhetoric happening out in the world that it's just the flu, which isn't true. It's not the flu. Uh, we've never seen this before. There's no vaccine. And we don't really know what the future looks like. There's some pretty good guesses that experts in epidemics and pandemics are making. And some of them are bleak and some of them are a little more optimistic. Um, and you're going to have to just read the relevant science on your own and make up your own minds. There's a lot of noise on that issue. But in the meantime, it doesn't make any sense to be cavalier. It just obviously makes more practical sense to treat it seriously, to uh, avoid crowds, avoid going to shows, practice social distancing, wash your damn hands. Uh, you know, um, it really isn't so much that uh, the problem of you getting it, it's really about you spreading it, particularly to the people in your life who have immunity deficiencies and to the, the elderly people in your lives your grandparents, your parents. And uh, a lot of people are saying, well, it only affects uh, it only affects people of a certain age. Well, it may not necessarily kill you, but you don't want it to kill somebody else because of you. And, you know, there's a there, when these things happen, there's a peak, okay? So there's going to be some peak where the, the virus has infected, you know, the top number of people, and then it's going to start being contained. We haven't reached that peak yet. Peak's probably about a month away. And the issue really is that our medical infrastructure is not going to be able to handle that peak if it happens in a really dense way. If we don't flatten the curve of that peak and spread it out over a longer period of time, then things are going to get really weird, okay? So that means that there's not enough hospital beds for the amount of people who are going to need them. And this isn't just people getting the virus. This is people who are having surgery, who have cancer, who get hit by a fucking semi-truck, a tree falls on them a kid chokes on something. I mean, you know, it's going to get dicey if we're not really careful. And so I would encourage you, if you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking, what's the big deal? A lot of smart people think this could potentially be a pretty big deal. And it just, it behooves you and your community to treat it seriously. And no one's going to give you a blue ribbon for being cool and shaking people's hands because the government's telling you not to. So I'll just put that out there. Now, I've put these, uh, I've, I've put it out for uh, in the socials for Ask Me Anything. A couple of people have done that. I'm here with my daughter today on a day off, and uh, her school is shut down kind of early for spring break, and then spring break's happening next week for her. We're not sure if they're going to shut the schools down in general or not. So uh, we're kind of camped out today. Ethan and I are taking next week off because, as you all may or may not know, a pretty devastating tornado ripped through Nashville last week and destroyed a lot of things, destroyed a lot of people's homes. It destroyed a school right by my house. A lot of small businesses, a really beloved uh, club in East Nashville called the Basement East was completely obliterated. And it's been a really weird week on top of the Corona stuff. Driving through Five Points in Nashville or driving through Donaldson, the, the part of town that I live in, and just seeing entire homes gone. Um, you know, the, the, the building that my daughter takes gymnastics in, it, it's completely gone. Uh, it's not like some windows crashed in and the roof is messed up. Like it's not there anymore. It's a pile of rubble. So 
Ethan and I are both okay. On Ethan Street, man, I mean, there were about six to nine houses literally right next to him that that were destroyed. It's just such an amazing, um, you know, I want to say miracle, but it's not really a miracle. And it would be really weird of me to call Ethan's house not being destroyed a miracle when his neighbor's was destroyed. Um, the truth is, and I think what a lot of us are wrestling with in Nashville is that it, it feels really arbitrary and senseless that just by <laughs> by sheer luck, some people's lives are completely, you know, changed. And the ripple effect of that's going to be intense. Put all this corona stuff on top of it, and it's just been a really weird little season here. And uh, some of the questions I've been asked that I'll, I'll address later are future implications on touring. This is definitely affecting Ethan and uh, our touring schedules. Kings of Leon, who he's went back with this year, has already canceled a few shows. And so I had some stuff going on in Austin for South By that's been canceled. And we'll get into all that, but I do want to play some tunes uh, to hopefully make you feel better, hopefully turn you on to something you haven't heard before. We're going to listen to some Lunar Satan. I'm going to talk about Lunar Satan a little later, later too. Uh, but in the meantime, this is a song from Wilco's 2006 album, Sky Blue Sky. It's called You Are My Face, and it's this kind of dreamy, trippy thing that feels real bouncy and cool. And then it gets real serious in the middle with some fucking killer guitar playing. So if you've never checked out Wilco before, they're a Chicago-based American sort of alt-rock uh, experimental band. They they were, for a few years, they're regaled as the uh, radio head of the West, or at least of, of America. That's not quite true. They're really more of like the band and Bob Dylan meets a little bit of Radiohead, meets a little bit of Flaming Lips. But they also are steeped in a lot of classic rock and Beatles. Um, just Jeff Tweedy, who's the primary songwriter, is a big songwriting hero of mine. A lot of what I, a lot of the way I approach writing songs was shaped by early Wilco records. And um, this is one of my favorites from Sky Blue Sky. Let's check it out now. It's called You Are My Face. Sister's husband's brother Working in the gold mine Full-time filling in for sunshine Filing into tight lines Ordinary beehives The door screams, I hate you, hate you Hanging around my blue jeans Why is there no breeze? No currency of leaves No current through the water wire no feelings I can't see I trust no emotion I believe in locomotion I've turned to rust as we've discussed Though I must have let you down too many times In the dirt and the dust
Gorgeous. I mean, as much as I love Billie Eilish and Lil Peep and Post Malone and Katy Perry and Taylor Swift, you know, you guys know how I feel about all this stuff. As much as I love all that, what's so cool about Wilco is that even to this day, they're just still a band. They're still five dudes playing real instruments, minimal overdubs. They make those albums mostly cut live. And I think that the music is going to last longer and feel more timeless. I don't, I guess I don't have a lot of great evidence for that, but. You know, getting into Dylan recently, I'm going through this huge Dylan thing and having to sort of almost rethink everything um, and relearn everything from these Dylan records. But, you know, this, I was a guy that didn't really care very much about whether or not some, the guitar was in tune or everything was perfectly in, t- in time. He didn't even really care if the musicians playing the songs knew the whole song. Um, there was something about taking a song, which was the most important thing to him, the lyric and the melody, and taking it almost to the, just to the edge of chaos that he really liked. And there's a reason those records hold up. I mean, I think part of the reason is the songs are so good. But I don't know, just listening to that with you guys sort of reminded me of why Wilco is such a great band. For those of you who don't know, when I do the radio episodes with you, I'm just like a lonely DJ in Nashville. I'm listening to it with you, thinking, wow, listen to that guitar part, and that's really cool, and et cetera. And uh, speaking of being inspired by Wilco, I'm going to play a song that I wrote with my pal Rachel Loy, 
Uh, we actually wrote this song yesterday. So this, uh, this is a song I haven't even turned in yet. No one has heard it except me and Rachel and my poor family who, unfortunately, when you're writing and producing a song, you have to just be willing and able to listen to it 150,000 times without getting tired of it. Because something you're listening for the drums, and then you're missing something that needs to be cleaned up with the guitar, and then you get everything cleaned up and pushed out of the way, and then you hear something the way the guitar solo should be. Um, you're going to hear the guitar solo in this song. I played it, and I thought it just sounded too much like a guitar, so I put this really weird bit. Cr it's called a bit crusher, where I made it sound like a four-bit, um, like Nintendo or Atari. So all sorts of that goes into it, and you have to just keep listening and keep listening. And it's a pretty good sign when you're on your 150th thousandth listen and uh you still like it so this song came really fast the way that rachel and i normally work is she comes over to the house in the studio we talk about life and uh, yesterday we talked about just how freaked we are freaked out we are about our kids and uh our families and coronavirus and the future of the music industry for about a good hour and a half before we started writing and then when we started writing writing it was almost uh, um we're just so on the same page musically and spiritually, I believe, that uh, the songs just come really fast. She does a lot of the heavy lifting with the lyrics. I'm in the tracks making the track. She played the guitar. It's funny because I'm a professionally a guitar player. She's professionally a bass player. She's a professional session bass player in Nashville, which, um, let me assure you, you have to be very, very good to do that here. Uh, but I played the bass on the track and she played the guitars, uh, the main guitars that you're going to hear. And it's kind of a cool rock song. It sounds like the band Isley. It's got a little bit of OK Computer era Radiohead in it, but um, I'm really excited about it. We have a side project called Attention Machine. We've written maybe 10 songs, and I think we are going to put these on a record hopefully this year and maybe do some shows around town and sort of just see what happens. So you've heard some of this before. I've played Attention Machine songs, but now you're going to hear our new one. No one has ever heard it. Metal up your podcast, family. Until there was you. Sorry for that. <laughs> a thousand people just turned this off after I did that. All right, here's a song called Get a Life, which I guess we could have called Eat My Shorts or Up Yours, but we went with Get a Life, and uh, I think you're going to dig it. It's got a lot of attitude. Check it out, Attention Machine.
you have it get a life fresh off the press you never know if the songs are really good when they're that new when because and i can tell you this as a creative person i'm sure that whatever you beautiful people out there do that's creative i know a lot of you are, are artists and musicians yourselves whenever you make a new thing you just think it's the best thing you ever did and it really does take time before you can get some real perspective on the uh, fidelity of that claim for sure um, but that was fun. I mean, it, it, it's cool to think, here's what's so great about being able to um, create th- something. And I encourage you all in the in the quarantine days ahead of us, it's a good time to learn something, to learn how to paint or to write some poetry or pick up a guitar and learn some chords, sit down at a piano, uh, get a harmonica. Because Rachel and I were feeling really upset <laughs> yesterday and we felt better after that song came out. You know, it really was cathartic and healing. Just the exercise of being creative. It's, it's your mind's equivalent of, to your body of when you're feeling really depressed and you don't want to get out of bed and the world feels impossible. Just going for a walk outside will really kind of chemically change your mood. And, and um, birthing something creatively is similar for... Uh, for your mind and your anxiety, in my opinion. who I don't know. I'm not a fucking doctor. Uh, don't quote me on any of this. So we've opened this up to the socials as usual. A few people have written in. Johanna says, I just got the news today that my high school in Finland might be closing. Are the schools there still open? They are currently. The public schools here are currently open. But um, I do believe it's probably going to be on a state-by-state basis. And as soon as a kid 
uh, is confirmed to have the virus in whatever school system, they will close the schools. Once again, to tamp down that uh, the peak, the peak curve. Uh, I, I know that in I know that in Seattle and uh, in Washington State things are getting really dicey in terms of an Italy style lockdown. And again, things are changing so much every day with this thing that by the time you guys hear this, a lot may have happened. I think the next ten days, a lot of different things are going to happen. Um, but that's a good question, and I'm, I'm not sure where you are, Johannes. Perhaps Germany, perhaps. Um, but that's the answer for that. Kevin Van Dam, good friend of mine, good friend of the show, says besides your music. What would you want to be remembered for? Which is a great question. Uh, easily the answer is being a, a great dad. Um, you know, I, that's really all I care about. Um, it's hard to explain that to people who don't have kids. And it, and I don't want it to sound uh, like, ooh, I have kids. I have some access to some sacred truth about being alive. I don't. It's nothing like that. I think that people who don't have kids or decide not to have kids in many ways are intelligent and smart and perhaps it is perhaps easing the suffering of the world and uh, on better philosophical ground than my wife and I were when we decided to bring a living being into this into this um, into this hellhole. Um, but things do change once they do get here, unless you're just a, a psychopath or a sociopath, which uh, thankfully I, I don't think I am. Um, and you just—it's for the first time really in your life. Your marriage won't do it. Your parents won't do it. But the fir- for the first time in your life with that kid. You got something else to live for other than yourself. Your pet won't do it. Uh, your career won't do it. Um, when you have another human being relying on you, not only just for like primal survival, but also to learn everything they need to know to be a good person. For someone like me, who is an artist type, who I don't consider myself a selfish person. Uh, I'm generous with things and with my time. But I am a self-involved person. Uh, and so for someone like me that's, oh, my feelings, and I'm, I'm always in my head, and I had this kind of childhood, and I channel that into my art, blah, 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 blah. A kid will just wipe all that off your fucking face real quick. And that's good for me. And I can't imagine, other than leaving some art around that people might hear and, and enjoy, I can't imagine anything else that I would want a legacy to be other than her. And honestly, even when I think about the music I'm leaving behind, and I swear to God I'm not pandering about this, but I really only think about it in terms of I hope my daughter likes it and I hope she's proud of it. And maybe she shares it with her buddies or something. But if I could see the future and just my daughter has all my records on however, whatever that's going to look like in 20 years for her, uh, lasered into her brain or something that uh, Elon Musk is going to deliver it via some sort of virtual surgery into some part of her brain called dad memories of dad. Um, I just hope she hears it and smiles or laughs or says, Whoa, this song was weird or wow. My dad wrote like legitimate pop country songs. And then we wrote the darkest, weirdest stuff ever. And then he's got this lunar Satan stuff. I think about it in terms of, of her. Which I suppose if you think about the evolutionary pressures for, for procreation and all that, it makes sense that my brain gets wired towards only caring about her. That's kind of what it all is, you know. I'm not special for that. That's, that's what it is. That's what we're here to do, is to propagate our genes. So, and again, just because that's what we're here to do doesn't mean it's what you should do, okay? Evolution doesn't have any, evolution isn't moral, 
Evolution doesn't care about anything except propelling those genes. Most of nature, if you guys can dig it, is rape and murder. There's not a lot of consensual sex happening in nature. Um, And, you know, we're just animals. So the thing is, we have this kind of awesome thing called consciousness. And we've decided that just because it's natural doesn't necessarily mean that's the best way. So a lot of people... Smart people are having kids less and less. It's actually kind of a population, going to be a population issue and a cultural issue because smarter people are generally having kids less later in life and then having less kids because they're smart. But that's going to create a, a, an issue later, you know, um, for all sorts of socioeconomic reasons and reasons I'm sure you can imagine. So we got to kind of figure all that out, figure out what we're going to do, figure out a way to feed the fucking planet, figure out a way to survive virus the thing about the coronavirus is it really is sort of a dress rehearsal for something that could be a lot worse and that's kind of what's scary about it but we're not there yet and there's no need to have unwarranted panic about stuff we don't know all we can do is just take precautions take care of our communities the elderly and our families our kids and that's what i'm sure you're doing out there wherever you guys are that's what i'm doing here in nashville now japan is on lockdown the Japanese are a very fastidious, very cool people. They don't play around. Um, they're very proud of their country. They're proud of who they are. Uh, they're very... It's hard to explain. They take a lot of pride in things that Americans... We, you know, America is, is built on immigrants and people who came from elsewhere and revolution and forge your own way and be your own person, be an individual. The Japanese aren't quite like that. And I'm, of course, I'm speaking... Uh, I'm not saying every one of them, but... Having only been there, well, we were there like 12 days, but just really soaking in their culture, meeting a lot of people, talking to people as much as we could. Um, they, they would easily, easily, it easily makes sense that they would be a culture that would lock this thing down, you know, like government sanctioned shutdowns and then they all obeyed it. No one was all butthurt about it. Um, they're beautiful people. I have this song called Japan in my heart that I wrote before I went there. You can write, the cool thing about writing songs, I tell my daughter this when she's trying to write songs, like, what should I write about? Obviously, her experience is pretty limited. She's five years old. But it's cool. It's like, you can write about anything you can imagine. And I know that sounds uh, obvious, but it's pretty cool. You can write about a place you've never been to. You can imagine it, or you can read a book about it. But you don't even have to get the facts straight if you're just writing a song, a piece of art. So I wrote a song called Japan in My Heart, Having Never Been There. I had a girlfriend who was touring through Japan, and I guess I was just imagining what she was doing and what that was like. So this weird rock song came out of it. Actually, I've told the story before, but what's cool is my friend Kevin, the drummer for Rodney Atkins, good friend of mine, he's got a studio in uh, on the west side of Nashville where he's got his drums all set up. And he invited me over to the studio just to hang out. We we're going to have some bourbon on a Saturday and just talk. Me and Kevin are pretty tight, and we, we talk about... He's a big kiss freak, and we talk music and bullshit all the time. He's also a vinyl freak. But... Um, I was like, hey man, when I come over, I was going to go over there in about an hour from the point <laughs> from the point in time I'm talking about now. I said, why don't we try to write a song, you know? Because you know me, I'm always trying to write songs and it doesn't matter what they're like or if they're good. I just like the process. And he's like, yeah, sure. I got all the mics set up. So I had about an hour before I got in my car to go over there. And I was like, oh, I wanted to write something kind of punk rock that had kind of a rock thing. Real easy three chord thing. And this song, Japan, I, I pretty much wrote the whole thing, lyric, the the uh, the guitar part, everything, just wrote it. It all just fell out. I got to Kevin's house, and I recorded it on a one of his 
cool little rinky-dink guitars through a computer amp, not, not a cool amp at all, and we got his drums, and then I came back to my studio. I used that guitar as the main guitar because it sounded awesome. I didn't care that it wasn't an amp. And I overdubbed it and sang it, and that's what this song is now. It's called Japan in My Heart. I hope you dig it because it's one of my faves. felt like that was like Husker Du meets The Pretenders meets The Cure meets The Clash meets The Phantom of the Park meets a sad guy who's never been to Japan. <laughs> anyway, that was a fun song. I wrote that and then I got real excited about that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to write like 15 of these. We're going to make a little record and go tour Japan and then I'll live in Japan. Then I'll become the king of Japan. Then I'll become a samurai. Then I'll be in a movie with Tom Cruise, who's also a samurai. 
Let me give you my flowchart on watching The Last Samurai, okay, which is about Tom Cruise, who is a white guy who's a samurai. I always heard about it. It's very long. I finally dialed it up one night to check it out because I love Tom Cruise. Um, first, first little bit of the movie, I was like, hmm, oh no, this is really good. Is this my favorite movie? A little bit around the middle of the movie. This is me. This is one of the worst movies of all time. Easily. Here's me at the end of the movie. This is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> it was a fucking roller coaster, man. If you guys haven't checked out The Last Samurai, it's worth it. I mean, Tom Cruise is great in anything. He is not bad in anything. And the story is just really strange and wild. And I'm, I'm due for a revisit on that. Now, people are wondering, people have been asking me for some recommendations for stuff because we're all going to be inside for a minute. And I have some recommendations for you guys, other than the songs I'm playing for you. Now, there's a guy I love a lot named Sam Harris. He's a philosopher and a neuroscientist based in California. He has a pretty popular podcast called Making Sense with Sam Harris. You can find it wherever you look for podcasts. And normally his stuff is behind a subscription paywall, but in this weird time, he has generously made it all free. His last two episodes are about the coronavirus where he talks to uh, epidemic and pandemic experts about the facts about the virus, the um, sort of a timeline uh, from January of to now of how things have happened. And, it, and I'll tell you too, it's not very political. There's some political talk, but it's mostly just science and facts. There's political talk about how various governments have responded to this and what that does and doesn't say about uh, competence and the future. But it's not a it's not a political uh, issue. It's very, you know, um, human issue, and it's it's honored that way. Now, the other remaining episodes where he talks about all sorts of amazing things. Uh, one of the latest episodes is about wealth and happiness, which really blew my mind. I sent it to my friends. Philosophical episodes about um, is life worth living, um, morality. Um, all sorts of interesting subjects, meditation, Buddhism, Christianity, just general philosophy. He has a lot of different experts on the show, and I think what he does is you can listen to like 30 minutes, then it goes behind a paywall. But if you go to Sam Harris, with two R's in Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S dot org, you'll see that there's two subscription options, okay? If you look below, and one's like 50 bucks for the year, and one's like... 15 bucks for three months. I, I don't know what they are. There's a couple of money options. Don't be scared by those. Right below that, it'll say, um, if you want to get the podcast for free, send an email here and we'll set you up a subscription. And they'll do it. They did it for me in about two minutes. You give them your email address. Um, that's it. They send you an email with your account login. And then you ha have complete access to 100% of his content. Okay. Sam is a very smart, very calming voice in this madness and i do think it's going to help some of you out there to really check it out okay so again it's called making sense with sam harris samharris.org is where you can get it for free but you can go just check it out on your however you listen to podcasts and i think the last three episodes the full episodes especially the two about the coronavirus are just available so if you like the flavor then do the i know it's hard to go to a website and clickety clack to get something free i know that we've been just trained to hate that, but it's real easy and that's how you do it. Now, Sam has another thing called the Waking Up Meditation app, which you can also get for Frizzle, which is free. 
daily meditations. Um, if you just even read the reviews of that, the positive, uh, the positive takeaways from, and I'm not saying go into a cave and be a Buddhist and, and be silent for an hour and a half. These are really simple for the layman, for people who just need to get some tools for lowering anxiety and, and mindfulness and peace of mind. So those are things I'm recommending to you guys. I hope you'll check it out. It's an amazing sh- television show that I saw on Amazon Prime starring Jim Carrey called Kidding that, you, that I just can't recommend enough. It's just about grieving. It's funny. It's interesting. There's really fresh stuff that they're putting on television that I've never seen. It's a Showtime show, but it's free right now on Amazon Prime, which I guess isn't free. If you pay for Amazon Prime, which most people do, you can get it for free. All right, so enough of that. I'll answer some questions later. But for now, it pleases me muchly. To continue playing for you guys, songs by my favorite band in the world, The Damn Wells. You guys have heard me talk about them a lot. I've played them a lot on Metal Up Your Podcast radio episodes. And it's probably the one band that I've gotten the most feedback about from you guys. Uh, This is from an album from around 2006 called Air Stereo. It's called I've Got You. It's got an awesome vocal, cool lyrics, great guitar solo. It's a lot of fun and it rocks. We're going to play that for you right now. Check it out, The Damn Wells. I've got doubts. I can't even count I've got mirrors That take me apart I've got blues Mounting revolt I've got songs That start when I start I've got you, babe Diamonds and pearls, babe I've got you, girl That's all I need I've got rackets From Brooklyn to
you, babe. I got you, babe. I love the thing he does at the end where he starts putting in the big hooks from like 80s records. Sweet child of mine, babe. Don't stop believing, babe. Wanna be starting something, babe. It's cool. Cool idea. I actually ripped that off on a song that's uh, that I wrote last month, so that's in the Patreon for February, called Out of Heaven. It's this very cool, like, Memphis-y meets Motown thing with this awesome chick uh, named Serena. And at the end of it, I was like, hey, let's just throw in a bunch of Motown hooks. And so we did that. And you can hear that over on Patreon if you're so inclined to support the podcast and other creative type people in this strange time where it looks like we're not going to have a job for a while. Um, let's move it over to Twitter where we have some questions. You can follow us on all the socials. It's a great way to interact with us over at Metal Up Your Podcast. Uh, Rob Castaneda asked, what happened to the Jimmy Clark podcast? Was listening and now it's gone. Well, uh, we were asked to remove it. That's really all I can say about that. We don't know why. We don't really know anything other than we were asked to remove it. And we obviously respect um, Metallica and the people who work for Metallica. And uh, that's really that's really just the end of that. Sorry, I can't give you more info. I don't have any. David Bill says, any updates on the Lunar Satan project? Still plan a vinyl release? Any new tracks other than what's been released already? What order would you sequence the tracks? It's a lot of questions about Lunar Satan, uh, which is awesome. Uh, I haven't written anything else. Um, the project's still alive, I guess. I mean, it really just exists in my mind. There's no one in the band but me. I'm the primary songwriter and principal member of Lunar Satan. I haven't written any new material. I've been busy writing other stuff. And when I sit down to write it, it happens. I mean, it comes out. I love it. But I haven't really had a lot of extra time or energy to do it. I really only need one song to complete this EP. Um, I, still do, I do still want to release it on vinyl. Um, I've had one song I'm going to play for you now. It's the opening track called Voices. That's like mixed and done and ready to go. I have two two Metal Up Your Podcast listeners, Brian King from Reality Suite and Chris Kakamis from the Bass Channel, have recorded drums and bass for Set the Witch on Fire and for We Ride the Skies. I just haven't gotten them mixed. Because, you know, that stuff costs money and takes time. And then I need to, I need to touch up a, a, the ballady one called Come Dark Sun. And then I got to write a fifth one. So... It's still around, and it, I, I hope it happens this year. I really love the project a lot. It's For those of you who don't know, Lunar Satan is a sort of comedy, although it's pretty, the material is pretty serious, but it's a, it's, a, it's a concept metal album about Satan in space. The album's going to be called How Like a Wolf and a Witch Will Open the Door, and um, it sounds like kind of thrash metal meets Tool a little bit. I don't really even know what it sounds like. That would be up for you guys to tell me. If I had to sequence the record, it's really going to depend on what that fifth song is. But it's definitely opening up with this song I'm going to play for you now called The Charioting slash Voices. The Charioting is kind of the spoken word, like, ominous intro. And then the actual song is called Voices. And I'm proud of it, dudes, because this shit is evil. Hope you enjoy. Check it out. Lunar Satan.
there you have it. I hear voices in my head. Lunar Satan. And shit, man. I mean, that's an exciting project. I'm glad that uh, you asked about that, dude, because uh, I'm glad that people dig it. You know, I'm glad people are interested in it. Um, actually, as I was listening to that, our friend Gene Froman just tagged Lunar Satan in an Instagram story saying that it was a good song for the apocalypse, which is quite the compliment. <laughs> quite the compliment indeed. All right, we got a question here from Dirty Pots on Instagram. It says, thanks, Clint. Stay safe. I'd love to hear from you, a man who is deep into songwriting, just what the appeal of Tool is. I don't take you as a person who likes music for its technicality or cerebral nature, which is often what Tool is associated with. What grabs you? Wow, interesting question. Um, well, I would describe myself as as uh, cerebrally uh, motivated by art. I love David Lynch. Um, I love H.R. Giger. I, I love Joel Peter Wicken photography. I love Pink Floyd. I, I like cerebral stuff. I love Radiohead. Um, and technicality, yeah, I mean, I'm impressed by technicality, but it's just, there's got to be something else going on. If it's just Dream Theater and it's just a bunch of, you know, Berkeley nerds who can play a million notes a second or do time signatures that are insane, that's just going to hold my attention for just a few minutes. There's really got to be something about the essence, right? And so with Tool, it really is, there's a synthesis of power in that band that is, there's nothing like it. King Crimson didn't do it. Sabbath doesn't do it. Um, you know, Guar doesn't do it. There, there's something thematic about them and just deeply powerful. And, of course, someone like Danny Carey is incredibly technically proficient as a drummer. But his drumming is not even really about that. So he, it's almost like he gets out of that somehow. He's not just like a, a Joy Jorgensen or a Mike Portnoy or even a Neil Peart. Like he's just, he's his own thing. And it's, been, it's really because how good he is doesn't ever come out in top, on top of the, how good the song can be. Uh, Justin Chancellor, also an amazing musician. He writes a lot of these polyrhythmic things. Adam Jones, an amazing writer. But Adam Jones is a pretty pedestrian guitar player. I don't know how he hears the time signatures that he hears or can think to write it. That's where his genius is. And he seems to be the visual mastermind behind the band too. And maybe even the, like the band leader. He may be like the guy in the band. And I love him. I'm not trying to put him down. But just speaking technically, you know, he's not, there's nothing going on in a Tool song that you couldn't play when you were 15. And I think he would, I would say that to him. I think he would agree. That's not where the power is. Um, a lot of the power comes from Maynard. His ethos, his presence, his lyric, his performance style. But their message has been really consistent, you know, and that message has been think for yourself, question authority, carve your own path. Um, they have consistently over 25 years just encouraged deep searches for non-traditional spiritual answers. Uh, they're concerned with some of the greatest concerns of human experience. And, um, uh, just almost pretty much everything about Tool, I love. I love their artwork. I love all the Alex Gray stuff they incorporate. I love the visual of their show. Um, I love that they challenge you to think about concepts. They put a lot of really intelligent stuff in their music, but they don't do a lot of, ooh, look at us, we're really intelligent. There's not a lot of dumb, megadeth, dystopian robots on the cover that are going to take over humanity. You know what I mean? Like, it's deep shit. It really is. So... That's all I can tell you, homie, about why I like it. Um, 
if you've listened to it and you don't like it, there's just not much that will probably change about that. You just got to keep checking in, I guess, every once in a while, remain curious. Um, it's like asking somebody why they don't like a certain kind of food. You can't help what you do and don't like. You have a reaction to it one way or the other. Um, it's hard for me to imagine not liking Tool. And there is a way to where if you have preconceived notions about any band, not just Tool, or any movie, any film director, any show, you can have someone that kind of help you look at it a little differently. And then you can kind of be like, oh, cool. So maybe I did that just now. I don't know. You know, if the only thing you've ever heard was Sober or Prison Sex, which were two early singles, then yeah, you're going to have a different idea about the band than when I heard Stink Fist uh, for the first time. And then when I got that record and I heard this, the last song, Third Eye, which is like a 13-minute massive trip. Um, or the feeling I had when I first heard Schism or the song Lateralis. Uh, it's just, it's hard to explain, but it's profoundly deep and it's a synthesis of power. It's not just powerful drumming or loud guitars because, you know, some of their most powerful moments are quieter. They're a very dynamic band. A lot of big moments and then it sucks down and then, you know, a lot of big screamy things, but then a lot of really delicate things too. So I'm just on board, you know, with everything they do. So uh, if you haven't really checked it out or explored it further, maybe do that. If you have... And you're like, look, I just don't get it. Well, then that's okay. You're not supposed to like all music, you know? It's totally okay to be like, I, I checked it out and I didn't like it. I totally get that. Now, speaking of new stuff to check out, this is my friend Danny Malone. He is an Austin, Texas artist. You probably never heard of him, but this is from a record from 2015, maybe, called Balloons. And it's one of those cases where, it's like the Damwells, it's a shame that more people can't hear this. And never believe out there that the only reason that there's a bunch of crap on the radio or whatever, um, never believe that it's because good stuff's not being made. Good stuff is being made more, probably more than ever. But there are a lot of gatekeepers and bureaucratic channels that keep you from hearing it. Except for Metal Up Your Podcast Radio, where you can hear Spider Legs by my pal Danny Malone. And if you dig it, the record's called Balloons. Go search for it, go find it, go support him, go get turned on to something you never heard of. See you back in a minute, we'll talk about it.
Spider Legs by Danny Malone. Most of those percussion sounds he made by himself, like with his arms and legs and with his mouth and throat and whispers and breaths and all sorts of really cool stuff that makes that song sound like it was made by human beings, even though it's got this really trance-like looped quality, which is not easy to pull off, folks, might I add. Uh, Now, listen, I realize that was a heavy song, so we're going to listen to a quick Bob Dylan song. To get a little bit of a palate cleanser, because I do want to play you one of my newest songs too, which is also quite dark, but I don't want to overload you guys with that stuff. Now, Bob Dylan made a really famous record in 1965, actually the second record he made in 65, or maybe he made it in early 66, called Highway 61 Revisited, and it's part of a trifecta of records from 65 and 66 that starts with Bringing It All Back Home, Highway 61, and then Blonde on Blonde, one of his most famous records. And... uh it's the Dylan goes electric period. It sounds really silly now, but this really blew a lot of people's minds. He was this folk hero in the village scene of New York, very one man and a guitar and a harmonica singing about protest songs and singing about, you know, civil rights. And he started to uh, get psychedelic and get and play rock and roll and mix that with a lot of traditional sounding blues. He had an electric band, Michael Bloomfield on guitar, great drummer. And for some reason, in 1965, those motherfuckers didn't have enough going on in their lives, and this is what they were upset about. No coronavirus happening in 1965, I can tell you that. Uh, But it's a short, awesome song. The lyrics are 
like most Dylan songs, mysterious but very cool. It's got a great swagger. It's just short and sweet. It's called It Takes a Lot to Laugh. It Takes a Train to Cry. Bob Dylan, Highway 61 Revisited. Dig it. Well, I ride on a mail train, baby.
I want to be your lover, baby. I don't want to be your boss. So don't blame me when your ship gets lost. That's good. I don't care who you are. That's good. That boy good. All right, we've got a few more things here to read on Instagram, then we'll get back to the tunage, of course. I know that's the most alluring part of this, of course, is, is hearing new tunes, not hearing me blabber on about this and that and the other thing, which is a saying from where I came up in Alabama, this, that, and the other thing. Lewis Smith, 21, says, Thank you for still staying loyal to us Metallica nerds during this time of crisis. Well, of course, we love you guys. And uh, I know that when you have a thing you rely on every week, um, that kind of stability in a time that feels very out of control is important. And I have my versions of that. And I, I take responsibility for, uh, you know, for this podcast. And I know that we have listeners that feel that way about us. So we're happy to do it. Um, thank you for the message. COT266 says, we need you guys to maintain some level of normalcy, LOL. Take the time you need, though. Take care. Awesome, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Jaybird Aurora's Eyes says, stay safe, guys. Washington's nuts right now. Had to go stock up because there were rumblings of a possible statewide lockdown. Try not to lose it. Listening to past episodes uh, is helping me be distracted. Well, that's cool, man. Just hang in there. You'll be okay. Be smart. Take care of your family. Um, uh, try not to overreact. Wash your hands. Uh, one thing for you guys to do with you if you have kids is get your kid their own soap. And then so let them pick it out, let them name it, let them get a wacky color, and then that's their soap. And then you can turn it into that for them. They can have some ownership and possessiveness of it. And that'll encourage them to do it more. You know, my kid's been cleaning her room on her own because early on when we were trying to get that into her, we, we made it, we sort of turned that, from we transformed it from like a chore or something punitive into something that gives her autonomy and ownership. So it excites her to do it. So any of you with kiddos, do that. Or do it, for, do it for yourself if you're an adult without kids. Go pick out a fun soap that's just for you, a wacky color. You can name it. And then you have some fun soap time. That's your time. That's your time with soap. But I feel you, man. Uh, it's scary. And I know you got a little kiddo, too. I think you, I think you have a two-year-old. Um, yeah, the good news is so far kids, you know, aren't, it's not fatal for kids. The problem is kids don't seem to have a lot of the symptoms, so they'll be carrying it. And then they'll go hang out with grandma. Grandma gets it, and it's a whole different situation. And I'm telling you, you in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s who are healthy, the problem isn't that you're going to get pneumonia from it. The problem is you're going to get a bad case of it, which is flu-like, although, again, it's not the flu. There's a vaccine for the flu, okay? We've had the flu for 100 years. We know how to deal with the flu. This is not the flu. It's different. It's concordant with the flu. But here's the problem. You're going to get it in your 40s, and it's going to be pretty bad. And you're going to need to be on a respirator, maybe. Or you're going to need some oxygen. Or you're going to need some medicine. And they're not going to have that for you. Okay? Because they're going to have to decide between, do you get the bed? Or does the 70-year-old lady, who will die of it if she's not on a respirator, who gets the bed? That's what it's going to come to. Okay? Unless, through social distancing and voluntary quarantining, we, again, tamp down the peak of the outbreak, okay? That's all. It's all good. We'll do it together. It's a unifying It's a unifying thing because it cuts the swath of religious ideology and philosophical ideology, gender, race, color. It cuts through all that. This is going to affect all of us, and so it brings us together. Now, speaking of being brought together, I'm back in my friend Bob Schneider's song club. If you don't know what that is, you write a song a week. You get a, a lyrical prompt. That could be anything. It could be a weird phrase. 
something from a poem. And that lyric has to be in the song. No one wins. No one's songs were chosen to be the best. If it's not a contest, it's an exercise for creatives to just get off your butt and do the work, even when you, even when your kids are screaming at you, when when you're, you know, exhausted with work, when you don't feel well, you don't have the muse, you're not inspired. This is a this is a um, this is a tool and a craft to get you out of those funks, get the creative juices flowing. And I was in that group for about seven or eight years, wrote a lot of songs there, learned a lot about songs there. There's some other famous people in it, you know, of course, Bob's in it, but Jason Mraz is in the group and, you know, Ari Hest, and Ben Folds floats in and out, Patty Griffin, some really cool people. So you get to hear all their songs too, and it's just fascinating. You have one week to do it. And some of them are just quick little voice memos. Some of them are people just singing into their phone. Some of them are a little more produced like mine. But it's been nice for me because mainly what I've been writing the last three years since I got my publishing deal, well, the last two years, is just all stuff for commercial work, you know, to for, for country artists or pop artists and then for film and TV. So this was an opportunity for me to jump back into writing just for me. And these songs tend to be a little more left of center, a little stranger, a little darker. But it's cool because it's my voice. I don't have to worry about anyone telling me that this lyric doesn't make sense or that this part's whatever. This is just me. And uh, I'm going to play you my first song back in that game after two years that I wrote that I'm really proud of. It was not easy to put together with everything I've got going on with work, but I loved the song. I believed in it. It's a creepy little number called Ghost White, and you can check it out here now on Metal Epic Podcast Radio.
there you go, my Lynchian dystopian song. I dreamed you and I'll dream my way out. Taking the power back. That's what the mind's like. That's what a battle with your mind feels like sometimes, is you can really take the power back, a la Rage Against the Machine. When you start to spin out and you've, you've imagined this world that's bumming you out, Sometimes you just got to get outside of that and remember that all that really comes from you. You can reset. There's, there really is a, there really is something powerful in that. I think that's what that song is trying to deal with. Although, God knows, I don't know. It's very stream of consciousness. Very just letting whatever images came, letting them just be what they were without ever thinking it. Uh, I'm going to leave you now with one of my favorite Bob Schneider songs. So Bob and I have a podcast called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. A lot of Metal Up Your Podcast listeners have migrated over there. They dig the show. They, they dig the flavor. It's a 30-minute episode. Every episode's 30 minutes. And it's very uh, pot-pourri, like whatever comes up, comes up. It's occasionally very heartfelt about being parents. It's often <laughs> vulgar and comedic. And uh, you can find that wherever you get podcasts. And uh, I'm going to leave you with this song. This is from 2015's King Kong album. I played all the guitars on this. It's it's a it's a really cool song. I'm sure Ethan would like it, as it tips the the old proverbial hat quite a bit to uh, the old reggae ville. And it's a song called "The Unknown," and it's a it's a perfect way to to leave you guys here as we all ourselves wander out into the great black unknown. That is a future with coronavirus, but we're all gonna be fine. Everyone, be cool. Stay safe. Be smart. Pay attention to the news. Keep up with things. Unplug your phones. Go hang out with your kids. Do something outside. You know the deal. Listen to the music that makes you feel good. Read a book. Read a fucking book. Everyone's been taking the old break from book reading. Myself included. Let's read some books. Let's get connected. Maybe reach out to a friend yet and talk to. If you're going to go visit your parents, wash your goddamn hands. And maybe think about not visiting them. All those things, you know what to do. I'm going to leave you here with the unknown. Thank you for spending this time with me on Metal Up Your Podcast Radio. It makes me feel just as good as you guys to connect with you. So come follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram. Ethan's on Facebook. I'm not over there. And uh, uh, I guess that's it. I love you guys. Stay safe. We'll see you on the flip-flop next week with more Metallica content. Peace. Adios.
Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free 
free downloads of every Cover Our World Blackened EP. Ticket giveaways for shows like SNM2 and Slain Castle. Box sets, rare vinyl, Metallica memorabilia like SNM2 guitar picks. Email priority, meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like Hailstorm, Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, and Metallica Row Crew your very own questions. And the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our Metal Tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios.